Some organizations are leveraging artificial intelligence to help the world with search for products or for answers. Some organizations are leveraging artificial intelligence to help companies with marketing. And some organizations are making sure that the future uh, of artificial intelligence doesn't result in the end of humanity. If you're tuned in to the Tech Emergence podcast, there's a good likelihood you're already familiar with OpenAI, founded in part by Elon Musk and funded by a lot of big names out here in the Bay Area. Uh, OpenAI is an organization uh, with the sole purpose of ensuring that the future of man and machine is a friendlier rather than non-friendly one. In addition to the objective of, of ensuring that the concentration of power in terms of intelligence isn't centralized in any particular way that makes things dangerous, which is one of the beliefs that they have that is sometimes contested, but is, is sort of part of the beginning premise of OpenAI. Uh, Ilya Sutskever is the research director for OpenAI. This is a fellow who I've uh, known the name of since he moved from uh, Hinton's lab over to Google along with Hinton back in 2013 when that was kind of a big deal and everybody sort of saw that public shift of really basic research and, and hard research in AI being done by some of the big consumer tech companies. He's now uh, with OpenAI again as their research director. This was a fun interview but a frustrating one. Ilya played his cards pretty close to his chest in terms of um, shaking out answers around his own predictions or his own ideas about projects or what he's excited about. Um, and I, I sort of playfully had to do a lot of poking and prodding along our conversation. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still wanted to air this. I felt as though it was a fun talk. We got a little bit of perspective on what Ilya considers to be some of the areas of import in terms of influencing the future of humanity and AI, which I think come out rather clearly in his conversation, uh, as well as some of his perspective on what are the more serious and maybe less serious considerations uh, for AI safety. So a little bit of cajoling required on this one, but certainly fun to be able to speak with Ilya in person. I figured a lot of our audience would be interested in this talk and it was a pleasure to be able to speak with him uh, myself. I, I hope you all enjoy this one yourselves as well. So without further ado, Ilya with OpenAI. So let me just start with a bit. Let, let, me, let me go back to the beginning and to, to the fundamentals to tell you the real premise of OpenAI. The real premise of OpenAI is to make it so that the world will be a good place for humans after AI is built, which will happen in 10 to 50 years. Who knows? Yeah. But technology is advancing pretty fast. You've got fast computers, so you can definitely, it wouldn't be completely unreasonable to expect reasonably rapid progress. Now, the thing about AI is that it is going to be a really crazy technology, the likes of which has never been seen in the history of, of humanity, totally never. The impact of AI is going to include things like no one will need to work anymore. It will make no sense. Yeah, yeah. No one will be, will have amazing medicine, amazing science, amazing materials. You'll be able to, it's going to be total science fiction. It's also clear that humans will no longer be in the driving seat of what, what's happening to them. And then you can say, okay, well, when, they, when, you, when society is going to change so much, it looks like it is something to worry about from the sheer magnitude of the change. If someone were to come to you and tell you that everything will change, I would say, okay, this, is it going to be goodness? Yeah, yeah. That's basically, that's basically the premise. And there are lots of, and there are, and with AI, there are many things to worry about. For sure. And so, so there are several things. There is the cons consolidation of, the consolidation of AI power is one thing to worry about. Another thing to worry about can be, so let's see, consolidation of AI power. Then there is the notion of 
making sure that the AI actually does what you want it to do. Because you, what, if you think about it, what's one thing that's going to happen in the very near future already? That you'll have all kinds of AI systems that will not be, whose goals will be inferred from observing other humans and from understanding imprecise human language. Yeah. You can say, okay, well, if you have a very capable system that has built some kind of an implicit understanding of what its goals really are, and if you take and you totally rely on it, and you say, okay, well, you want, you would prefer it if that system actually acted in your best interests. So there is, there is the notion of the rapport that you could imagine the possibility of a small number of people profiting strongly from AI. It's all, all these things are very science fiction because yeah, some of them are, but I'm, I I'm just saying, I, 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 just, I feel are. like I feel like you might you might spend a good deal of your time explaining this to people who who fight you on it or are confused. But I, I can recall four and a half years ago when you know people didn't know who Nick Bostrom was, and if you read his blog, nobody cared. Um, some of this stuff is, I, I think you're right. I think the far reaching becomes pretty sci-fi ish. But of course, you're trying to do boots on the ground things today. You guys mm-hmm. are you're not thinking. So okay, I well, in fifty it. years we so, should form this. You know. So today, so I mean today. Like I think one, one, one of the other challenges is that the future is not very certain. So today, what are we trying to do today? We actually talk about it in a sense that we are, our mission, the mission of OpenAI, makes a statement to the effect that this question is worth worrying about. I think it's this very is, plausible. This has not been the case before. Yeah. I feel like, yes, we are, we, OpenAI is very keen on open sourcing everything to the extent that it can be done without taking security risks, like risks of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that's hard to imagine today, but you could imagine if, I don't have a good example. So, but you know, like, you know, like people who are concerned about safety yes. of AI, so their concerns basically. And there, there is, there is some tension there. When you say tension, I'm just going to dig in a little bit, Elliot. Uh, when you say tension, open sourcing, whatever can be other than what might violate Security. That's basically, um, that's right. Like what, what goes beyond that line? Hey, you know, of course we're not going to share people's health information. Of course we're not going to proliferate and open source autonomous weapons technology. Of course we're not going to, what are the of courses that we really kind of want to keep outside of this open source ecosystem that we hope the world could draw from? I mean, I should say that, I should say that it's hard to give definitive answers right now. Hmm. Hmm. Curious. Let's just say this much. It could be reasonable to suppose that there would be some technologies in some future state where we'd say, you know what? Maybe that just doesn't get proliferated open source. Maybe that is just not one of them. But for right now, it sounds like, you know, business intelligence, marketing, drug discovery, whatever the case may be. Most of these, it sounds like for you folks, hey, if it's open source, if people have access to this, then there isn't a single company that controls health, that controls marketing messaging or something. Yeah, like I, that. I, I would say I would say that there, there is truth to that, but OpenAI is truly is, is a lot more concerned with the long term outcome of AI. Yeah, yeah, and, less, and it's the primary concern is the long term, yeah. rather than the short term outcome. But the challenge with the long term outcome is that there's lots of uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, it, by its by its nature, you you are aiming to do some things at present. The the gym, for example, the OpenAI mm-hmm. gym. We have a yeah. place for people to collaborate. Does this play a role in sort of proliferating what you'd hope, at least so we have these stepping stones to that grand future, the future where we merge, the future where we're eaten, the future where we live peacefully and we don't work, whatever the scenario is, whatever our post-singularity scenario is, the grand ethical poobah of, of what would amount, that those interim steps, is the gym part of what we might hope that the world trickles towards as we move towards 
AI, um, more people kind of tinkering and collaborating with these things? Is this part of kind of the boots on the ground effort? I mean, I would say it's a small part of the boots on the ground effort. Hmm. I feel like the main boots on the ground effort is just make OpenAI succeed. And this is raise funds, acquire great talent from all over the world. You're from University and of actually, Toronto. And, 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 and become a leading organization. In, in the sense of? Basically, if you're not if you're not a leading organization, even if you're not in the forefront of the research, then what you say on the matter doesn't really have that much weight. Weight with with the community, with other people, with people outside the community. If you are just if you, if you are just somebody, if let's say in your mother's basement somewhere, yeah. Well, no. Like if you got if you got a group of people who just say like you know X, why would people listen to them? But if you have a people who say like they are the best in recognized to be extremely good at their respective domain, and everybody knows that, and then they say something, then they will be listened to much more. They, they, what they say will be taken I, a lot more seriously. I I feel like you're stating obvious things, but yes, I'm congenial with what you're what you're saying. That of, I mean, of course, morons talking would not be listened. It's to. more than morons. Um, it's not. It's not morons. You specifically need to be recognized as being like a top organization in AI research, because if you are not a top organization in AI research, then whatever you say, you won't be listened to. Got it. Listened to by the UN, listened Whoever. to by the Congress, listened right. to powers that be. Correct. So a leading organization recognized by powers that be, uh, able to wield influence with powers that be. This is, this, is, uh, this is the objective. And when you say forefront of research, this is to, to be not just the people who collate and explain, but to be the people who push forward deep learning, to be the people who push forward applications of machine learning in whatever context. So that is that a necessary part of the luster and, and the the stake on the table for OpenAI? Yes. Got it. Okay, understood. So that's the primary deal is that is am I, would it be safe to say basic research in AI, driving that forward hard and being the people that are doing that better than anybody else? That's the goal. Got it. Do 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 as good research as we can. Okay, so in terms of near term, the most important thing is that um, the gym plays some role. Open sourcing to some barrier that may happen in the future plays some role. Are there other component parts? Other component parts of building that future that I think is is a very apt consideration where the world is good when we have AI. Are there are there any other you know the next five years sort of considerations that you folks are chiseling along towards to to bring that about today, or is it really mostly? You know, wait for the big game and be the top dogs when when it hits the fan. Um, so th- there is a mixture of the two. Hmm. I would say that I would say that the kind of I'll give you a meta answer, which is also going to sound obvious to you because <laughs> sounds like you've already you, you know a fair bit and that you are very knowledgeable in this space. Mm-hmm. Like basically, like the, the fundamental thing about OpenAI is that it's committed to do the right thing, whatever it will be. And in particular, OpenAI is committed to do the right thing if it benefits humanity, even if it does not benefit OpenAI, or even if it hurts OpenAI. Because ultimately, OpenAI does not exist to generate return yes, to investors. Yes, yes. OpenAI yep. exists to make, to achieve the, the grand outcome that we are trying to, yep. you know, the grand positive outcome. Yep. And yep. so, because the future is uncertain, I can give you all kinds of answers, but they will predicate various assumptions about the future. So yeah, you can yeah. get diff- you can assume different things about the future and therefore reach different conclusions. 
For sure. And so what I can say, and so the meta answer is in some sense the, the best answer right now, given the relatively high degree of uncertainty that exists. And so to, to do the right thing, now, of course, if that is rather meta, um, as, as ethics are, and how you balance your virtues and you know your Kantian maxims and your utilitarianism will be an interesting sort of shake. Is it safe to say that we may require, I've often pondered this, I wonder if you have, um, an intelligence beyond our own to discern uh, those ethical scenarios, to consider and to distill uh, the good, which, which as we know is, is rather difficult to, to discern. It may be possible that, that an oracle higher level of kind of distillation of ethical thought may be required to make big policy decisions, trajectories of humanity. Um, I can tell you what I think. So this, this is a great question. I would say this. I would say that if it's, as you can see right now, it is very hard for humans to make good policy decisions because the world is so complicated. Yes, very complicated. Now, if, you, if we talk about a point in the future we've got, when we've got smarter than, humans computer, smarter than human computers, there are, once you have multiple such computers, then the world will be a really complicated place for those computers to understand. But I, I, I got sidetracked. To answer your question of who did require, who did some of these difficult policy questions require some kind of far future AI? Maybe. I, I think maybe is the right answer personally. I can see, like, it, in some sense, it's getting to be a very boring interview because to almost any question I say that you ask, I maybe, say maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but unfortunately, that's, there, there is, there is this, this, this is how. We're in a gray, we're in a gray space. Luckily, you guys don't have to turn a profit, as you said, right? You guys are different from a lot of the other big brain conglomerations in the AI space. We have, you know, Allen's Institute out there, you know, Washington and whatnot. But, and then there's obviously some other efforts, but clearly you guys, it's not about a monetary return. It is a little bit about the long ball. Um, mm-hmm. I would agree that it may be, I, I would think that at some point that would be a must as, as at some point in medical, it would be a must, but I suppose we can't, we can't tell. Really, it's encourage open source. But it's more than that. It's more than encourage open source. It's really encourage people to be aware of the impacts of AI. Yeah. Think about the applications. Think about the future. Not to assume that automatically things will be the way they are right now. Yes, which is tough to do to people. Well, I mean, but I think there is a certain kind of a collective zeitgeist in the field. Totally with you. And totally with you. It's I've been changing it. quite a bit. Three, four years ago, you could not talk about AI without coming across as a crackpot. Not, nothing. Now, like, the things that I said in this presentation, if I said I would never dare them, I would never dare to say something like this two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So things, things are changing very rapidly. Yeah. At the same time, like, you know, predicting the future is hard. I feel like in the near term, we're just doubling down and doing the best work we can. Yeah, and, and, and again, proliferate the at least the openness to the ideas. And as you said, there is a zeitgeist. How many organizations in the last three years have opened up around this? But it's not just three. the organizations. How many people are entering the field? There's that. Well, I think that's, well. that's, that's not obvious. This is a big thing. The number of people that enter in the field, like any, any class on AI, on deep learning, is packed full of people yeah. in every university. Oh, oh. To the hills. So, you, so that's, that suggests um, that... Their numbers will be growing very they're, rapidly. They're clamoring in. Um, and and, and uh, I suppose we cannot exactly tell uh, what that means. Last question. Uh, yeah. I, I, I appreciate your perspective on these things. I think it's interesting to hear of your positioning um, to be a voice to the powers that be. It's interesting. Uh, it, it makes tremendous logical sense, but it's it's great to hear you say it in an overt way. By the way, way. Were, were you a wrestler? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I ran a martial arts academy for a long time, black belt, wow. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a lot of national competitions. Um, but I was, I was really always interested in the psychological aspect of, of sports psych and of skill acquisition. I find I find competitive sports like wrestling and martial arts to be some of the most exciting things because of the the psychological component must be so difficult. Like you know, I, I took I had a few years of martial arts, and I remember. It's what did you train? Karate. You did okay, but only for a few years in, in Toronto. No, back in Israel. Oh wow. Okay. Well, there's great martial arts in Israel. Mm-hmm. Fantastic yeah, martial arts. I, what I would say is that, like, because you need to want to win. Yeah. But you can't be attached. To the victory, you need to be detached. Yeah, you have to be present. And indifferent. Yeah, you yeah. need to be present and indifferent. It's this very paradoxical state. And so, I mean, I've always had a lot of. I, wonder, I, I, I think I think it's, it's it's a very difficult and good thing to do. I wonder if we'll need that mentality in the future. Who knows? Um, <laughs> well, achieving I think it's necessary to achieve any goal. I would uh, I would agree. Um, final little bit of perspective as we wrap up here, Elliot. We just talked about a lot of organizations forming, and you had mentioned very aptly how many people are entering the field. It's crazy. I imagine, you know, Bengio, the list for, you know, I mean, the list for emailing that fellow has got to be, you know, out the door. We're lucky that we, we, we still have a, a good connection with him, but I, he's probably getting pounded. And, and I mean, talk about a guy who wasn't a celebrity four years ago and now is. I mean, that's a great example. We also have the partnership in AI. We've got, got some of the big boys, you know, the IBMs and Amazons and whatnot sort of coming together. I obviously wasn't there in the room. It sounds as though their goal is to sort of proliferate a knowledge of some of these same potential risks, be they economic. I know you guys are looking farther than, than sort of just, yeah. you know, short-term economic. Yeah, economic risks also, you know, valid things to worry about. I, I, I have much, much larger things to worry about. I think the, the, the consequences of the future of sentience itself is um, sort of, sort of uh, transcends economics by like massive order yeah, of magnitude. But, the same, but, then, but, I meant, but I also meant that economics are something that are very worth worrying about. It is true. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, not, so, to, not to discount it. I think it is good. Like, it's just different time horizons. It is really yep, important yep. to worry about it right now. Yes, yes. You're right. Um, so with, with that being said, um, what are your thoughts on companies pulling together in that same kind of light? Did you have a role somewhere in that table? Did OpenAI play somewhere in there? Do you see this as a proliferation of the kind of good uh, collaboration that we might want to see? Are there skeptical elements from OpenAI's perspective around the big guys uh, potentially influencing policy as well I as mean, yourselves? I think I think it's good that they adopt a very positive mission statement. That seems like a definitely net win. I mean, I think I think it's more like if all the big players adopt a similar mission statement and they all say that they ultimately care about the world being a good place for humans and they all, they all take an attitude that we are all in it together, I think that would be just a net positive thing. So at least from the outside, mission statement-wise, thumbs up. That's that, that's that's all I know, I and mean, definitely from the outside, it looks it looks it looks very it looks like a positive development. Got it. All right. Just just because I I know I know we're only able to get the service with you. What are you most excited about now in OpenAI that people who could, if they could check out OpenAI, they could go dig into? I want to get some some specifics. So some specifics. I mean, I I hesitate. I really. It's that wrestler in me, man. Trying to trying to, <laughs> trying to shake <laughs> something out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's working. I do. I, I, <laughs> the thing that I find hard is to talk about things before they are complete. This is true. Because I run the risk of saying something, mm-hmm. which will, in fact I've done it before. Yeah, I and I was I was a little bit embarrassed after that, so I I just I, I prefer I prefer to wait a little bit longer. Are there things that are already done that you have been proud of? Little things. Well, I would say I would say that the um, I think 
I think the gym was great. I feel like our first batch of papers that I've talked about was pretty nice as well. Nice. I think, yeah, and I just hope I we will keep on writing more papers like this and hopefully do things that are more like slightly more, you know, more like not, not just papers, but actually build systems that do impressive things. Oh, hardcore basic research. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've got, you've got the, uh, the pedigree and experience to hopefully lead the, lead the charge on a lot of that. Uh, for those of you who are tuned in, you've got to sympathize with Ilya a little bit. I just yanked him off of this, this, uh, this event and just peg him with questions today. So I, I, I'm sure that you can sympathize in that regard. But I'm glad we got to get down to a little bit of your thoughts about the big picture and a bit on how we can shake that out. So I appreciate your time today. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.